Hello, it's your family. Today we are going to look at Acts chapter 20, um, verse 1 to 16. Um, as we go over this, just remember that this is still part of Paul's third missionary journey that began in the toward the latter half of uh, chapter 18. Um, chapter 19, he uh, begins uh, with preaching in Ephesus and people coming to believers. And really the first people he, he seems to encounter are people that were, uh, were followers of John the Baptist. They were not baptized by the Holy Spirit. He asked them who they were baptized in. They were said John the Baptist. Then they, he points to um, the fact that John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus, and then they get baptized, and then they even get, like, uh, for a little second, the ability to speak in tongues and prophesying. It's kind of like the little Pentecost that's going on in the beginning of chapter 19. As as the narrative progresses, uh, uh, people in Ephesus begin to see Paul's um, other miraculous deeds. He starts healing people from diseases. Uh, they're just looking at his, they just want his handkerchief, and, he, and people are getting healed by it. And... Um, and and all now this is really to show that the these false religions were not the, um, were not real. They're dead idols. And um, in the declaration of the scriptures, a whole bunch of people got saved. Uh, and Paul just kept preaching and teaching, and many people would start denying false religion and uh, end up uh, believing in the truth. So much so that at the end of the last half of uh, chapter nineteen, there was a riot that went on. Uh, Paul. Uh, gospel ministry start destroying all of the sales of of the the fake silver idols and um as a result um paul was asked to leave <laughs> the entire city was changed radically because of the gospel preaching now uh we're going to continue on to paul's uh, missionary journey here and what's strange and interesting at the same time is that it's, this part of the narrative, it just seems like it's, it's very quick in succession. It just goes from one thing to another, one thing to another. Uh, but it's, it's here so we can really see Paul's love for the church. Um, he was going from place to place, ministering to people all that he can so that people can come to saving faith or so that people could, uh, that are saved could be encouraged. And I hope that as we look at Paul's love for the church, that we will have a, a love for the church as well. Because realistically, all of us will pale in comparison uh, when compared to some of the saints of old, and particularly here the Apostle Paul. So, so let's, let's look at Acts chapter 20. After the uproar, this is referring to the uproar uh, in chapter 19, um, had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, uh, he left to go to Macedonia. Uh, it seems here that Paul uh, wanted to know the spiritual condition of these other places, so he wanted to go. And it says in verse 2 that when he had gone through those districts, he had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. So where he, what was he doing this whole time? And it seems to indicate in the end of first, first Corinthians and Second Corinthians that he gathered a whole group of people on this, on this part of the journey where he went to support different churches. Like he got money from them and he went uh, out to exp uh, to visit these churches and, so, and try to give the needs that of these other saints. Uh, verse 3. And there he spent three months when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail to Syria. He decided to return uh, to, Mas <laughs> to Macedonia. So uh, he wanted to go um, but he was not um, he he was he was detoured 
to do at other ministries. So he wanted to go uh, you know, to uh, Syria, but then he decided to go back to Macedonia to again minister to different pe- uh, people there. Uh, verse 4, and he w- was accompanied by uh, Sopan of Berea, the son of Phyrus, and Arist- Aristotachus, and Secundus of the Thessalonian, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. To all of these individuals, what's significant here is that they're all Gentiles, or half uh, Greek and half uh, Jews. Um, and this shows you that during his mission journey, as he is, he as he wants to go back to Syria, really uh, the Middle East, and even to Jerusalem, he wanted to see, show the church, all these Jewish churches, that the people that are supporting them financially are Gentiles. Uh, they have a love for the gospel, and they want the Jews to recognize that, hey, uh, the these Gentile people are redeemed. They're our brothers and sisters. They're no longer just random Gentiles that we once hated, but we are now together as brothers and sisters. And uh, I think Paul did that strategically so that there's unity. And I think that's what the uh, gospel should do in, in, in the life of the church. The gospel should cause unity regardless of the background. I know that in our modern day, there's just just seems to be a growing hostility to divide people from class and gender and backgrounds and cultures. Um, but the church should not be that way. If there's one place that the uh, that the, the church can do to be very anti-culture is that there's just this unique love for for one another. We don't look at each other's past. We don't look at uh, um, you know our backgrounds, our ethnic, our culture, anything. The only thing in our past that we care about is what Jesus has done in the past for us. And these people here in verse four, all these different people are from different parts of the world, and now they're uh, all together uh, um, caring for other Christians and and, and declaring the, the, the singular gospel they have together. Verse five, but these had gone ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came uh, to them at Troas within five days, and there we say seven days. Uh, they were waiting um, for really a boat to take them back to Jerusalem. So there's a, you know, that's why they stayed there for, it took them five days to get there and they stayed there for seven days. Verse seven, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. Now it is important here that, uh, that I want us to think about is in verse seven, is that on the first day of the week, this is, uh, this, uh, if you look at it throughout scripture, New Testament in particular, this speaks of Sunday. Uh, the Lord rose on the first day of the week, that's Sunday. In John chapter 20, verse, um, verse 19, it says the same thing, that like the Lord spoke on, on Sunday, he rose on Sunday. And why is this significant? Is that people wonder, why do we celebrate? Uh, why do we even go to church on Sunday? What is it so special about going on Sunday? And it's mainly is to commemorate the fact that our Savior has come to life on that day. He resurrected on the Sunday. And uh, when they were there, they gathered together to break bread. So this is like the communion, uh, the way that we think about it. But there's also this thing called the love feast. And what that is, is um, I think of it as like in our church context, it's like the Thanksgiving meal or together, together that we have, or like the potlucks. That's kind of what it was. Back then, the church was not able to you know, go to fast food restaurants whenever they're uh, done with church. They, they gathered together. And there was this, they, they had this important a desire uh, and to and this urging to to be with one another. Now, and obviously, this is a natural application for our day and age, especially with COVID. That's 
telling us, you know, making you know, the news telling us things that are making us fearful to meet each other, I do want to encourage all of you to consider uh, returning at some point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, because not only do we miss you and uh, we miss fellowshipping with you, but it's not healthy for you spiritually to be so distant uh, for such a long time. I understand in the past year or so there have been difficulty because of uh, uncertainty, but we're at the point now where I think we just have to accept this as a norm and have to work around the limitations that we've been gathering together on Sunday for the last year at this point, and, um, and I would encourage you to, to return, uh, whether that is uh, you know on a, on a Sunday or other gatherings, to make time for it, because um, that's what the church is about, that we're unique in that way, that we even though we're from different backgrounds, we have different employments, we live in different places, the local church is where we all want to be. And just so you know that the church back then in the book of Acts, they met every single day. It wasn't like uh, ours where we generally meet like once or twice a week. They met every single day because there's no one else, nowhere else to go. There's nothing else that they would rather do than just learn more about God's word and to care for each other. Verse 8. Um, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the window sill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. So in one of these meetings, in this particular one, uh, there was... Uh, you know, they're, they're gathering in this upper area with lamps. And, and part of the reason why that is, too, is because you know, they didn't... You know, they're up all night learning and learning about God's word, and um, sometimes people thought that Christians were doing weird things. Uh, and oftentimes, darkness is a sign of some sort of suspicious activity. So there was just a lot of candlelight, so that people can know that they're not really doing anything strange. They're just learning them from this apostle. And during this time when Paul is teaching, there's one individual, Eutychus. He, he falls into deep sleep, and this word "deep sleep" is 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 not or sinking into these it's like the idea of dozing off uh you know you're you, and it's happened to all of us to some degree where we're listening to sermon and and uh you know we doze off because we maybe had a tired night the night before or you know we just we're just exhausted i get that i just know that there's a in this case and this is not like a direct application but it's not like if you fall asleep you're gonna die <laughs> not like the Eutychus did die because he was near a window he's probably you know, near the window because of, you know, the candle that's lit, probably make it a little stuffy. He wants to sit nearby, and at some point he dozed off. He fell off the third story uh, window. He dies, and Paul resurrects him in this very unique way. He he picks him up in verse 10. Uh, but Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. Uh, liberal commentators look at this and say, Oh, that's he just fell with heartbeat. Uh, that's not the case here because people thought that he was dead. In verse 9, so he was picked up dead. It means that someone else probably got there before Paul and checked his pulse and noticed something off and they said he's dead. But then Paul encourages them that they were not. And it says here in verse 10 that do not be troubled. And this very tough, <coughs> do not be troubled. This is idea of, um, of stop lamenting, stop, stop mourning and weeping loudly. Uh, and this is a young person. They saw this young uh, kid fall out a window. He gets killed. And then Paul resurrects him. Uh, and verse 11, when he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them for a long while until daybreak and then left. Uh, they took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. So it says here, interesting, that Paul was up and they, they talked a long while until daybreak. So this is, they were having this very long night church service. 
seemed like it was at night when there's candlelit. So let's just assume maybe like 10, 11 o'clock at night, all until daybreak. So that's like six in the morning. Uh, they were, they're up all night wanting to learn God's word. And you may be thinking, how can someone be in a church service for that long? And I would respond by saying, well, have you ever watched uh, TV for long, long time uh, throughout the night? Have you binge-watched anything? Have you watched multiple movies? Have you played video games long? The reason why you're able to do those things is because you're captivated by what you're uh, listening to or watching or doing. I think all of these disciples here were like that with Paul. They were completely captivated by what he was teaching. They were they were drawn to who Jesus was. He was teaching them God's word. He was teaching them over and over again about the things of the Old Testament, how it fulfills um uh, it's fulfilled in Christ and everything that they need to learn so that the church can grow. Paul spent the whole night teaching them and they were fine with it. And I'm sure some of these people had to work the next day, but they stayed up because they were they wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. Now, here's my uh, question to you. As, you. as you're listening, do you find yourself uh, making time for the Lord? And when you make time for the Lord, why are you doing it? Do you do it because you love the Lord or do you do it because you just feel like this is just something you need to do? Um, Christians should always be driven by a love for the Lord. When you go, think about going to church, why do you go to church? You go to church because you love the Lord and you want to learn more about Him. Why do you go to small groups? Because you love the Lord and you want to be with the saints and you want to learn more about Him. Why do you go to Bible study? Why do you do anything in terms of being part of the church? It's because you love the Lord and you want to be drawn close to the Lord. And trust me, if you truly love something, time will go by really fast and even before you know it. So if you look at this last week, or you look at yesterday, how much time do you spend on things that are, are you know, fun entertainment type things compared to how much time you prayed or how much time you read or studied God's word? You'll find that you're actually disproportionately in favor of entertainment or something else. You know, we can spend days and we can spend hours a day watching YouTube videos but sometimes just reading God's word, 15 minutes or 20 minutes is right too much for us. And what a shame in our own culture that we find ourselves being more drawn to things as opposed to draw, being drawn to the Lord. Um, we should be like this church where, uh, you know, like Paul loves his church. He's just teaching them. He loves the church. He kept going and teaching them. And the people loved the Lord so that they kept gathering together to hear God's word. And even if it meant teaching through the night. And this boy, at first soul, was resurrected, and they were greatly comforted. Verse 13, But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Assos, attending from there to take Paul on board. For he, so, for, so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. Uh, and when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. So, so at some point, there's some sort of split here between uh, Paul and and Luke, like Luke went somewhere else and uh, on a boat to, to this other place in Miletus, and, and for some reason, uh, Paul decided to go on foot. And it's implied that Paul decided to go on foot was because he was still ministering to the people that he was with, that there were other people that wanted to learn. He, he took time to walk with them and journey with them and continue to teach them God's word. And eventually he got in touch with Luke again, and uh, and they just continued on their journey. Verse 15, sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite uh, Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos, and the following day we came to Miletus. Now, what's significant about this is that each of these places are about 30 miles away from each other. So, 
Uh, in order to get there, they have to. There's only a certain part of the day where they can go, where the wind will carry them through, and it's a long journey for them back then. Um, so you know, they're just going from place to place to place. And I'm sure as Paul went there, uh, each place he was ministering and sharing the gospel and, and caring for those, you know, sharpening those that was with him uh, in the word of God. Verse 16, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So, you know, yeah, even though Paul uh, wanted to go to a place, he he had a greater desire to go to Jerusalem uh, and, and to minister to people uh, in, in there, especially, hopefully, he thought, uh, during the time of Pentecost. Yeah, and throughout this whole journey, you see Paul going from place to place, and the reason why he does this it's because he loves the Lord. He labored um, intently so that people can grow in Christ's likeness. And there's a question I have for you. Do you view your life in that same way? I'm not saying that all of you need to be pastors and full-time ministers, but just with the time that you have, uh, do you find yourself wanting to be with the saints? Do you find yourself desiring to be to gather together to learn God's word? Um, and if you if not, then why not? Why is that? What is the thing that's drawing you away from uh, from the things of the Lord? Again, I'm not saying you can't have things that are fun or whatever. Uh, I'm just saying that just just try to take stock of how much time you invest on one thing versus how much time you invest in the Lord. And you'll find that the more time you spend in the Lord, the more mature you're going to be. You can't expect to grow in Christ-likeness if you're not willing to invest in it. And the only way that you can start investing in your spiritual walk is if you have a growing desire for the Lord. Just like how Paul does with uh, with the Lord and how he cared for other people. And I hope that's for all of us when we think when we look at this that we see ourselves like the way Paul does. We love the church the way that Paul loves the church. Who's willing to spend the whole night uh, ministering and sharing the, and teaching those in the church, and who's ever, who's willing to go from place to place and journey from one place to another so that he can encourage the saints and and, and build up the the saints. I hope that that same attitude can be for you as well as for myself as well, because we all know that we fall short. By God's grace, we can always improve in this area so we can be used by God for His glory. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.